0: Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we talk about the nourishment mindset, how to get amazing results with your health, how to lose weight, how to feel good without counting a single calorie with Dixie Huey.
1: There's so many benefits to exercise. My favorite one, which I mean you know, but big exercise ain't selling this one is, you know, improved insulin sensitivity. That's awesome, you know, but I can't like hop on the scale and see that. That's under the hood. Got to get your blood work done and it's not going to happen overnight. So as a former 20-year marketer, I get why they're touting and marketing that burn calories, but exercise for me is more about insulin sensitivity. Increased sleep, increased mood. There was, I'm sure you saw this, the study that recently came out that in the last two weeks talking about how exercise is better, um, been shown to be better than medication for certain mental health conditions. You know, strength, balance, I mean, that's huge as we age. There's so many benefits, but just thinking, I'm gonna start going to the gym and lose weight, like, you're gonna be disappointed and then you're not gonna exercise because it quote, didn't work.
0: Hey, Keto Camper. I'm super excited to bring on the founder of Favor Fat and the author of The Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Thanks for joining us today on the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play. Dixie is a lot of fun. I met her a couple years ago. She actually introduced me to Dr. Kate Shanahan and I am forever grateful for that because I've interviewed Dr. Kate Shanahan a few times ever since that. And Dixie wrote a brand new book and we talked all about her book, The Nourishment Mindset. First, she's going to share her backstory, pain to purpose, doing every fad diet out there, having eating disorders, and you might relate to that experience and what she did to get herself out of that. She learned a lot studying traditional nutrition and studying what they do in Europe as well. We get into calories, of course, because there is this still to this day, unfortunately, a big misconception that you just have to be in a calorie deficit and why calories do have their place, I am not denying that. We are not denying that. Calories matter. Are they important? No, they're, they're really not. They're more of a distraction. And she's going to explain why it does people a big disservice. It ignores hunger signals. It ignores their hormones. It ignores inflammation. It's not about just tracking how many calories you've lost. It's much more than that. We get into misconceptions surrounding weight loss and the importance of building muscle, why too much exercise might not be a good thing. We'll talk about your metabolism. We'll talk about why the human body is not a math equation or a calculator. It is a complex chemistry lab. We get into some powerful things you can do in the morning uh, that I took from her book to make sure you are aligning your hormones with this circadian rhythm. And then, of course, we get into her book And there's a chapter in her book called Cholesterol Paranoia Syndrome. So we'll talk about cholesterol and why statins can be problematic and so much more. So you're going to love Dixie. She's a ton of fun. I am excited to bring her on shortly. Before I do, I want to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This one is short and sweet. It's a five-star review from PJ12420 titled, Good Info, Ben Provides So Much Good Information through his guests and his motivational talks. Thank you, PJ. I appreciate that you listened to the show. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad it's motivational. I would take it a step higher and say, I hope it's inspirational. That's even more important. And uh, keep listening. We'll keep showing up. Thank you for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you have not left the show a rating and review yet, please do so right now. Okay, let's get right into this conversation with Dixie Huey. Dixie Huey is the founder of Favor Fat, whose objective is to help you regain your vitality and lose fat with integrative coaching, straight talk, and focus on nutrient-rich, real, whole foods. She's on a metabolic mission to help people improve their health and reclaim the vitality we all deserve. One delicious, nutrient-dense, authentic, whole food meal at a time. Eating in America is so convenient and we do it mindlessly. We're disconnected from the pleasure and sustenance it is supposed to provide. And her brand new book called The Nourishment Mindset dives into all of that. And we dive into that book today. So without further ado, here's Dixie Huey. Hey, Dixie. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. It is a true honor to be here.
0: I am also honored that you came on the show. You have a brand new book, that I have right here for those watching on YouTube. It's called The Nourishment Mindset. I'm a big fan of mindset. And we're going to take a deep dive into your book. And I got to give you uh, or a, a thank you. I should say thank you for connecting me with uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan. To begin with, a couple of years ago, you were the one who who connected me to her. And she's been on my podcast three times since. So thank you so much for oh. the connection. My audience of loves course. Dr. Kate. And I just want to say thank you right off the bat.
1: Well, it's the least I can do for both of you. Her work literally changed my life, not only health-wise, but professionally. So um, there's that. And then just loving your work uh, to put you all two together uh, for me was a, was a no-brainer. So,
0: Well, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad that you did that. Let's talk about your backstory. In your book, you talk about your past. A fat ballerina with bulimia, essentially, is what you write about in the books. I'd love for you to go back to that time and some of the the struggles you had. And it's very relatable to the struggles a lot of people might be having when they fall down that rabbit hole of what mainstream news or mainstream wisdom tells them what to consume when it comes to nutrition. So how how was that for you back then?
1: Well, it was hell then. But because I was so ensconced in a severe eating disorder, I didn't know any different for a long time. So what that was, when I refer to the fat ballerina, I'm being facetious because at the time I was hovering under 100 pounds. But when I looked in the mirror, I saw a fat teenager because I wasn't thin enough. And what the reason I point that out is because it's to show the way that disordered eating can change your brain functioning because I can look at a picture of myself now and go, oh my gosh, what a sick chick. But at the time I didn't see, my mirror reflection was different than what reality was. So that's just to illustrate the profound effects that eating disorders have on the brain. So a little bit scary, but true. And, you know, the reason that I developed that eating disorder was in part, I think a large part due to ballet, but I don't want to blame ballet. I'm just a super determined person, and I didn't have the the God-given gift of a ballet body, is how dancers talk, and I was hell-bent on getting it, and that's just me for better or for worse. Also, my parents were in the middle of a horrible divorce, so I think possibly had I not had all those other life stressors that maybe I wouldn't have gotten so sick. But I was completely consumed by this eating disorder.
0: You didn't even realize you had an eating disorder, did you?
1: Not really, because it's funny what you can tell yourself when you're trying to justify behavior. And at 15, you know, what do you really know anyway? I mean, it's, it's a tough place to be in, in adolescence. But I just, I knew I wanted to be a dancer. And everyone around me basically had an eating disorder. So that just felt like that's part of the job description. And so that's like normal in my world. And I think a lot of people who are into gymnastics, ice skating, the wrestling for, for men, that's just kind of part of what you're signing up for.
0: Mm, that's interesting. You mentioned a quote in the book. I'm going to read it directly because I love the quote. First time I've read it or heard it. From Marcel Prost and uh, Marcel said the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes. You kind of start off part one of the book, chapter one of that, with that quote. So, what what is how does that quote resonate with you?
1: Well, man, that's a great question, right? Because I just talked about how I looked in the mirror and I literally didn't see the image that was reality. So it's in part due to that, but when I put that in the book, that for me was really reflecting the transformation process that I went to to become completely healthy. Because I did recover from the eating disorder, but I still just kind of had dalliances with non-normal behaviors, such as exercise, bulimia, and that sort of thing. But once... I met people met in quotes through their work like Dr. Shanahan who you mentioned through deep nutrition who is totally focused on the four pillars of you know the ancestral diet She led me to think, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this all wrong. You know, I haven't at all been thinking about the nutrients. I've just been thinking about the calories, you know, so gummy bears versus steak, which, by the way, steak is high in fat. So I should be avoiding that. And then in walks in someone you just had on the show recently, Nina Teichels and her work. And it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm nutrient deficient. Maybe the reason I crave sugar all the time is because I'm not eating anything that's really bioavailable to my tissues and cells, and that I'm just hungry. And so between those two women, that is what transformed my mindset. And it gave me the the new eyes that uh, Marcel Proust reflects.
0: Makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people have gone down that path of calories in versus calories out or might be on that path right now. And I would estimate that if I walk down South Beach here and I ask a hundred people how do you lose weight, eighty out of hundred, maybe higher, will say, "Oh, just eat less and move more," which kind of makes sense, you know, but it doesn't give you the full picture. That's like that's like asking somebody like a billionaire how do you get rich and he says just spend less than you earn. You're kind of thinking, <laughs> yeah, right. you're kind of thinking like, yeah, that makes sense, but it's not giving me the solution. There's a lot of things missing in that answer. So let's talk about it, like. Why is it such a failed approach and why does it disregard nutrition, uh, metabolism, hormones? And, and what can we do to put an end to that conversation once and for all?
1: Right. So, a wise person uh, once said, <laughs> you know, we don't need to count calories, but calories do count. I agree. I used to say, you know, just throw all the calories out the window. And frankly, that worked for me for a long time. But as we age, our bodies change. And I still don't count calories, just for the record. That would be like going back into just a zone I can't do. But the point is, it's really the lens of nutrient density that matters. And I do firmly believe that our our bodies, our brains have yeah, you know, we know this. You know, hunger and satiety signals, there are all kinds of things in the endocrine system as you and much of your dedicated audience know that influence your eating patterns and behavior, but I think that the missing piece that we see in sort of the world on both extremes, right? So on one extreme, which is not many people, but it's a spectrum, You've got people just like shoveling in fast food, mindlessly watching the TV. Like if anyone's ever seen the movie Idiocracy, like that's an extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very depressing. On the other extreme <laughs> is like your, you know, fitness model or some of the frankly diet dogma people who, you know, I love the carnivore diet, for example, for, you know, certain people that has like saved lives and made such a a wonderful impact on them. But when we start getting too dogmatic and we're now afraid of a sweet potato, neither of these extremes and a lot in that gray area in between, like none of this reflects that beyond nutrient density is the pleasures of the table. Like we're supposed to enjoy our food. We're supposed to enjoy our lives. And we just that to me is the missing piece the metabolic puzzle. We're all talking about what should we eat and when should we eat and should we fast and yada, yada. But I think this leaves a lot of people out of the conversation because they're just, they don't want it to be so hard. So calories are just hard. It's math all day long. And when you think more about nourishment and and pleasure through nourishment, to me, you're focused on something that's more sustainable and pleasurable.
0: Yeah. And I don't like math, so I don't want to do it every yeah, me day. Neither. <laughs> Please, no. And I, I agree, you know, the calories matter. I'm not denying that. They're for sure calories matter, but are they important? No, they are very low on that uh, priority list. There are other things that are so important. You mentioned it nourishment, the quality of your know, relationships. That you sit down with and have food, right? When we think about blue zones, and there's a lot of pitfalls with blue zone populations, so I don't put a lot of value in that. But what they have in common, those individuals have community. They have celebration. They have feast. They have nourishment meals. They they enjoy each other's company. So that's what you're getting at, right? The quality of the relationships. How we actually we're not just sitting and eating by ourselves in our car driving. We're actually sitting down, being present, and enjoying the meal with the people around us and being present with them.
1: Right. And I cannot prove this. I haven't done any studies. Boy, it would be fun to like study French people at a table and take some blood work every (laughs) hour because they're there for many hours and just see what's going on under the hood metabolically. But it's more of the experiences that I've had, um, not only abroad, but with people who love food uh, in America as well.
0: That would be interesting, right? As, as we see probably their cortisol drop throughout the yes. meal. Like just <laughs> for the hours that they're there having their, their meals. And you the were dopamine. in the book, I think. <laughs> yeah, dopamine, exactly. You were, um, you were in France, right? In the book, I remember reading about you living in France for some time, correct?
1: So, yes, I had a transformative experience in college just studying abroad. And I will admit, I not only brought a scale, a body scale on my study abroad adventure, I brought a set of eight pound weights. So back to that, like overly dedicated. (laughs) And I'm not proud of that, but I share that just to show again, that mirror that you're looking into and you're not getting back what is reality. But that's the first place I noticed like, oh my gosh, these people have a completely different relationship with food, A, B, you, wow, I mean, how are they all so possibly thin, you know? Paris bitches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're angry. So that
1: was the tip of the iceberg. And then through my prior career, I traveled a lot to France because I was in the wine industry, and so that's kind of the the heart of the wine industry. Uh, Italy would argue differently, um, and they can enjoy that argument. And then later, my family and I bought a share in a home in the south of France, so we're there yearly. We spend a lot of time just like living there, not sightseeing or anything, just being around French people and their culture.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay, you mentioned exercise. And I know the book talks a lot about exercise. And I mean, you're 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 a fitness coach too. Like you, you love exercise. I am. But, I do. But I know that you don't teach or do exercise for weight loss. You do it for other reasons. So explain why exercise is probably not the best idea if you're if you're just doing it for weight loss.
1: Right. And that's what like, you know, I love to pick on big food, big pharma, but I also pick on big exercise, which is funny, right? Because I've spent on and off my teen and adult life working for gyms. I'm, as you said, I'm a fitness instructor. I love exercise. In fact, in my life, I've loved it too much. I've been an exercise bulimic, but that didn't come from a love of exercise that came from wanting to burn calories. And it's, still drives me insane when I walk into places where I teach and I hear an instructor before me talk about, look at all those calories we burned. And it's like, no, (laughs) I have conversations like this every week with people. Exercise is a poor way to lose weight. I mean, frankly, when I used to teach triathlon or coach triathlon, I should say, I saw plenty of people gain weight. How do you gain weight training for a triathlon? Well, there's bad nutrition advice, and then you have hunger signals uh, that get increased. So I think just same thing as like rethinking our approach to food and how we nourish ourselves, rethinking the, the approach to exercise. You know, there's so many benefits to exercise. My favorite one, which, I mean, you know, but big exercise ain't selling this one, is you know, improved insulin sensitivity. That's awesome, you know, but I can't like hop on the scale and see that. That's under the hood. Gotta get your blood work done and it's not gonna happen overnight. So as a former 20 year marketer, I get why they're touting and marketing that burn calories, but exercise for me is more about insulin sensitivity, increased sleep, increased mood. There was, I'm sure you saw this, the study that recently came out that in the last two weeks talking about how exercise is better Um, been shown to be better than medication for certain mental health conditions. You know, strength, balance. I mean, that's huge as we age. There's so many benefits, but just thinking I'm going to start going to the gym and lose weight, like, you're going to be disappointed and then you're not going to exercise because it, quote, didn't work.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point, there's a difference between losing fat and losing weight. You could be actually breaking down muscle if you're doing too much cardio or excessive exercise, And I too, I used to be a fitness coach. Not anymore. I used to be a personal trainer. I used to own a CrossFit gym. And I remember being really diligent with the whole calories in versus calories out. I was probably exercise bulimic like you referred to. I didn't realize it, but probably was. And it's a lie when somebody tells you you burned 500 calories from that CrossFit workout or that Orange Theory workout. No, you didn't. First of all, because if you just sat on your butt, you would have probably burned, I don't know, 350 calories. So you really burned 150. It's a lie when you're telling you you burned. Good
1: point. More math. Yeah, exactly.
0: More (laughs) math. And we're probably getting away from like the true point here. But I just want to point out that it is a lie. Like your watch that says you burned 800 calories with that 10 mile run. It's not true. That's that's showing you what you would have burned with your basal metabolic rate sitting on the couch plus the additional calories burned. So it's really just a quarter of it. And I say all that because it's just a math distraction. The human body is not a math equation or a calculator or a bank account. It's a very complex, amazing chemistry lab. And we need to stop treating it like a calculator and start treating it like a beautiful creation that it is. So I'm glad that you saw the light. I saw the light and you're calling out big exercise. I love that you're doing that.
1: Well, and then hopefully that changes the relationship with exercise. I mean, I feel like we're both I'm grateful for the fact that I actually enjoy it. I'm going to assume you do if you owned a gym, (laughs) but you know, not everyone has that, but part of that I think is because it's like this thing I have to do that I don't enjoy that I'm just doing to burn calories. But if, as you know, if you can find something that you love that brings you joy, hopefully outside for the free vitamin D now you're just getting pleasure from it. It's actually a nice experience. And the other thing I dislike with big exercise is this idea that you have to go somewhere and stay there X amount of time. Like, to me, that holds a lot of people back. Like, a 10-minute walk is awesome. Do that every day. That's a big math equation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big number For sure. over a year.
0: <laughs> you're right about the, the exercise part. A lot of people are like they they look at it like I'm gonna go suffer just to burn those calories. And that's not gonna that's gonna be very fleeting. It's not gonna last very long. But if you could you if you could find, we'll call it a hobby, something that you enjoy doing that also incorporates movement and exercise, like that is such a winning formula. For me, it's basketball. Every Sunday, sometimes even in between like yesterday, I went to the park, but every Sunday for sure. I go play basketball and yeah, I'm burning a ton of calories. I'm getting all these steps. I'm getting my heart rate up and I'm getting all these benefits. But I don't feel like, oh, I just exercised for an hour and I'm like exhausted or or like, oh, I'm going to go exercise for an hour. I, I feel like this is fun. So that could be pickleball. That could be, I don't know, surfing, could be swimming. But finding something you enjoy to do that's also an activity of movement, that is the sweet spot. And that's exactly what you're saying, right?
1: Absolutely. And something I just thought of is to ask you is... Whenever you're out playing basketball on Sunday, do you do you have it? And as soon as you hit five hundred calories, you go, I'm done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Peace. Look at my O right ring. In the middle. <laughs> my O ring said, Oh, five hundred calories, I'm out, guys. I'm done. <laughs>
1: that's what people that do on stupid. the treadmills, the gerbil mills, I like to call them. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: and look, and I'm all, I'm not against treadmills. I'm all, I love sprinting and warming up on it, but I'm not doing it to hit a five hundred calorie threshold and hopping off, right? And that's your point. So yeah, that's a Big power tip right there. Find an activity you enjoy, that you love doing. You'll get the oxytocin benefits, the dopamine benefits, and the exercise benefits without actually realizing you're exercising. So great tip right there. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I want to talk, uh, I want to transition here because your mission, I love the mission, a metabolic mission to help people achieve vitality. It's a great mission. I love it. I love that you're clear on on the mission and the vision. When did that become... Clear to you? Like, at what point during throughout your journey did you decide this is the mission, and and why did how did that occur, and then why is this your mission?
1: Over time, um, I'm not shy about the fact that I started writing the book when my son was a toddler, and he's now nine, and it's just published. And the funny part of that story is really that. I remember after I wrote the first draft, I'm like, what do all these authors complain about? I'm done with this sucker in six months. And now, you know, seven years later, okay, <laughs> eat your words, bad pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the meta to get back to the metabolic mission, you know, it's, this is more personal to me. So when I read those books by Dr. Kate and Nina and others, I was just in a kind of a tough place in my life because I had a career that I loved, but I was kind of pudgy and I wasn't really working out. And I was just kind of, I wouldn't even call it depression. Like that's a label, but just not really my vibrant self. And again, through them, I experienced this vitality and realized, Ooh, I think I was malnourished, which is kind of funny. You know, at the time I was working in the food industry, how could you, you know, high end culinary, I should say, how can you be malnourished in that space? But it's because of the choices that I was making. And so because I was able to achieve vitality and just feel good, I mean, to me, that's the bottom line. I mean, it's great someone wants to fit in a pair of pants, lose X amount of pounds, but to me, ultimately it's about feeling your best, waking up ready to enjoy your day. You call it, uh, I believe, vitamin G.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's right.
1: (laughs) It's hard to have vitamin G when you're struggling. Metabolically, because you just don't feel good. And so once I realized, like, oh, that's what it's about, like I feel so much better, then I realized I've got to close the marketing agency that I've been pouring my heart and soul into because I, I, I must share this information with anyone who will listen. I want to help others. So that's why it's a metabolic mission, because I know there are people out there that are struggling and they're, they're doing all the, in quotes, right things. And they, you know, the average person does something like 50 diets in their lifetime. I mean, that's brutal. That's a brutal way to live. And I just, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. That was my key takeaway. Like we can achieve vitality. We can reverse chronic lifestyle conditions by focusing on, as you know, the real whole foods, but my little addition is the pleasures of the table. Like I want it to be fun, just like we talked about with exercise, because then it is something that brings you joy. And so you want to do it. And I just, I haven't all my life. It was not fun. even in working in the wine and culinary industry, I would not eat like the steak because of the fat content. (laughs) Here I am dining with farmers and chefs and winemakers all over the world. Everyone around me is having a blast and I'm literally counting the calories in my head as I'm sitting there pretending to pay attention to the conversation.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So that's not fun. You know, that's that's not being present. I think being present is such a key part of enjoying life. And I just was never present because I was focused on other things.
0: Yeah, and that in this day and age, it's becoming even more uh challenging to be present. It reminds me of a quote from from Neville Goddard. He said this like in 1950 something. He said we're only limited by weakness of attention and poverty of imagination right so weakness of attention is that right there it's like we are being distracted purposefully from advertisements tv social media junk crap information and it's creating weakness of attention so lack of present of being present and being fulfilled and being grateful and then poverty of imagination is just the the stinking thinking that I call it like the negative thoughts. So he believes that's the only thing we're limited by weakness of, of attention and poverty of imagination. So you're essentially hitting upon both of that by saying to be more present.
1: Yes. Yeah, to enjoy. Again, if you're counting calories or worried about how you're gonna burn it off after you're not present.
0: And that goes against the big exercise, the fitness influencers who uh don't teach that. They're not teaching you to be present. They're not teaching you about metabolic health. They're teaching you, hey, if Skittles fits your macros, then go for it and have your Skittles.
1: <laughs> and then enjoy <laughs> the glucose roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, but you're in a calorie deficit, uh, so you're winning. That's that's their mindset, which is it's just so shallow. Nobody goes from counting calories to to focusing on metabolic health back to counting calories, right? I I can safely say I've no. never heard that before. People go from counting calories to metabolic health, like us. But we don't go back. Like once you see the light, it's like nobody goes the other direction because we see the truth, right? I just—it's like it's absurd to think about just going the other direction, right?
1: There are things that I think need to be tweaked, and that's something that's been. Maybe a little discouraging to me because I never want to sit on like Health Coach Hill and look down at the masses. Of course, of course, yeah. You were talking with I believe is, is Dr. Annie, is it Horman recently?
0: Yeah, Dr. Amy Horniman. Yeah.
1: Horniman, thank you, who I admire as well. And as I have moved into the middle age space, and been frankly, I mean, I I, I had this hypothesis before, but after listening to y'all, like. Just I need, my key takeaway from that recent one, which was terrific, was keto flex. I need I, I will be <laughs> buying your book because I've been mm, I hate I mean, I hate to admit it, but perhaps a little too dogmatic the last year about being in nutritional ketosis. And frankly, my thyroid has suffered. And I'll just throw this out there because I'm a pretty open book. Who knew? I just got diagnosed with low T. I'm like, am I a dude? Why do I have low D? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a thing. So, you know, what worked for me in my mid 30s and early 40s, I- I've got to change it up a bit. So, I'm, I'm open to, to change. And that's where I think we have to just be open and shy away from diet dogma.
0: Uh, amen. I love that about you. Thank you for being authentic and transparent there. And that's what it's about it's about health over dogma. And I do think, based off of what you shared, I do think having a keto flex day, whether that's like one day per per week where you have higher healthy carbs, limit your fasting and just feast it up, high protein, high carbs, uh, it'll make some hormonal conversions that could help with the thyroid, help with potentially the testosterone as well. So I'm curious, if you do do that and you see an improvement, you let me know because I would be curious to hear your feedback there.
1: Oh, I will, (laughs) I will. I'm gonna have to embrace that sweet potato. Oh yeah. (laughs) I never really thought a sweet potato was a problem, (laughs) Uh, but it's more just the mindset of, okay, what's worked for a long time isn't working anymore, so we gotta change it up, we gotta experiment and just be open to new approaches. Um, And that's
0: okay. Yeah. And, you know, just to piggyback, you know, to share with like transparency, one of my challenges over the years has been putting on muscle. It's been something. And when I was doing my CrossFit days, I was putting on muscle, but I was overtraining. So my hormones were were tanking. So that's not the way I want to put on muscle. I want to put on the right way. And then the last two years has been a delicate balance between like being consistent in the gym and and strength training and some lower back issues I've been having over the last couple of years. And then also like fine-tuning the protein intake and all that. So that has been my challenge the last couple of years. But I'm happy to report that the last month or so, I've been seeing a new chiropractor and she's been doing some more like trigger point release on my lower back and it's been feeling better. So I've been getting into a consistent routine and then I've been upping the protein and the creatine. So my experiment is to keep doing that and see what it does for the muscle mass. Because as you both, you know, and I know that, we both know that muscle mass is such an important organ to develop and we want to have healthy amounts of it.
1: Yes, because when we diet, we, if we have that m- mentality, we often will lose muscle mass and then it just makes the whole thing harder again and again. By the way, when you said, what did you say, trigger point? Is that a code word for like her digging in, him or her digging into you and you like biting your hand? That's exactly <laughs> like, it,
0: yeah, with her elbow and uh, red light yes. therapy, Yeah. <laughs>
1: I've had that with a physical therapist. He had what I called like an ice pick. I'm just like, yes. oh, it's the ice pick. It's coming out. But you know, the things we do. <laughs>
0: and it, it, it helped. It's been helping me. And I've, I've been and I've done other things over the last couple of years. And this is the thing that has helped me the most. I've done chiropractic adjustments, which I'm still for. I've done PRP injections and different stretching and different things. And it wasn't until I found this lady, and she's right, like five minutes from where I live. What a blessing that. She said, I know your problem. It's not that you need chiropractic adjustments or more injections or any of those stretches that you've been doing. You have calcium built up in your lower back and we got to go in there and dig in and break it up and send it to your fascia. I'm like, okay, let's try it. And yeah, an hour of like her digging in, I'm like, they're sweating, you know, the feeling, but I get sore and then my body recovers, like repairs and then I feel better. And it's like, oh my God, it seems like it's working so far. Yeah.
1: Oh, that is awesome.
0: Yeah, so thank God for that because now I could be in a consistent routine. But enough about me. You mentioned Nina Ty Schultz and Dr. Kate Shanahan, who, pretty cool, they endorsed your book. And those were two people that actually, like you started studying and influenced you to get into the space. So how how does that feel for those two rock stars to, to endorse your work?
1: It is, uh, it's still a little bit like a dream, quite frankly, because I worked for, 20 years in PR and marketing, I, you know, I can joke around and say that's sort of professional stalking. So I was not shy about uh, approaching them, but not to help me. I mean, I approached them years ago to thank them because when someone has a work that improves your life, you know, of course you want to let them know that. And it turns out that both of them are they're human beings. <laughs> and um, you know I'm not into celebrities, but to me they are my celebrities. So to have them endorse my work just I mean they're, it's, it's hard to find the words. And I, I really I appreciate those ladies very much. I, I tried to give back to them uh, when I was still in my marketing role. My idea was, look, I'm in the food and wine industry. You know, a lot of people in the industry, you know, they want their cake and eat it too, to use a horrible (laughs) expression. But, you know, people there want to enjoy life, enjoy the pleasures of the table. But a lot of them are struggling just like other people. And so to me, if I can bring the work of Dr. Shanahan and Nina to a broader audience that writes about the pleasures of the table, then maybe we can all... Benefit, And we had some, um, I think, good success for each of them. You were, uh, you know, one of those. But we also had a lot of pushback. I ain't gonna lie. How so? Well, you were talking with Nina about people oh, the pushing bullying. back on her. Oh, that's what you bullying. were mentioning in the
0: email you sent me. Yeah, I was,
1: yeah, I was never bullied personally for promoting... Her work, but I do have an example. I had a, and I'm not going to mention this person's name, but I had a long time connection colleague. I've done many pieces with her, who wrote for a big, you know, what we PR people would call an A plus publication. And she got Nina's book. She inhaled it like I did. She wrote this whole feature piece after interviewing her. We were all three of us so excited when it's going to come out, and then just one day, poof story got pulled and i've never had that happen with this writer with others sometimes pretty rare in that industry uh just gone so you and i both know i mean it's it's what y'all were talking about
0: yeah big big pharma and big food does not want that article published How how long ago was that when was that
1: This was probably three, four years ago, because that was one of my ways of thanking Nina. Hey, can I volunteer for the Nutrition Coalition? May I promote your work to a different audience? You know, and so that's kind of how we we did that. But I just want to circle back on that because it's true. I mean, sometimes the mainstream ignores uh, what we need to know that can best help us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not only do they ignore it, they intentionally give us the <laughs> opposite of what we should be doing. So I was just at um, Low Carb Denver, and I was moderating a panel.
1: Ah, uh, yes, that's a great do- one.
0: Yeah, Doctor uh, on the panel was um, Doctor Ken Berry, Nadia Pataguana, Doctor Gabrielle Lyon, Doctor Jamie Seaman, and Doctor Quad Quad Oh, I love
1: and him. Oh, his yeah, he's, personality. he's great.
0: Yeah, he's so much fun. And one of the questions that the audience asked was like, How do you cut through all the noise when you see, especially like Tufts University or the food, my plate, food or food pyramid, all the stuff, all the iterations? Mainstream news talk about like this is how you should be eating, and how it's completely different than what we teach in our space. Like, how do you cut through that? How do you this like how do you decipher all of the confusion, all of the noise out there? And what I said, and it got a big laugh from the audience, I said, Well, I think it's very valuable to follow what the government is teaching when it comes to nutrition. Like I pay close attention to it. I tell my students to pay pay close attention to it because I want to know what they're promoting. And then once I know, I'm going to do the complete opposite and I know I'm going to be (laughs) healthy, right? So that's what I would recommend to people. Just do the complete opposite, the George Costanza effect. And you're going to go down the right path there.
1: Well, and thanks to George Costanza, people can appreciate that and, they, you know, get it. In my book, uh, I'm not too nice to that. Uh, I call it the uh, POS food pyramid. (laughs) Keep the language piece of something food pyramid. And uh, one needs to know. And then one can decide for oneself what is working.
0: Hey Keto Camper, there's something that I do every single day to supercharge my mitochondria to help with inflammation and soreness from a workout and that is the use of red light therapy. This is called photobiomodulation and there's a ton of research that shows the benefits of near-infrared and red light therapy. The red light therapy that I use is from Bon Charge. I simply use it 10 to 20 minutes per day. It has both near-infrared and red light and every single day when I use this, I feel ready to take on my day. So whether you're dealing with gut pain, joint inflammation, or you want to just supercharge your mitochondria, get your hands on a quality red light therapy device. And I highly recommend the one from Bon Charge. They hooked you all up for being a Keto Camp podcast listener with a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do, check out this product and all the wonderful products they have available is to go to Boncharge com slash KetoCamp and use the coupon code KetoCamp at checkout to save 15% off your order. We will drop that link and coupon code in the podcast notes. Go check it out and let's get right back to this episode. So I want to talk about chapter 23. How to heal your addicted brain. And you have several tips here but I, I, I'm going to start with the first one because I think this is very important. Not just if you have an addictive brain, but just for health. But you talk about ditch the, the screen rise. I like that. I actually never heard that term before screen, before screen rise. And I don't rock. think it's mine, but I borrowed it. <laughs> I like it though. Screen rise. Oh, that sounds awful. And then rock your morning. So why is that so important to start your day off the right track with uh, being intentional with your morning routine?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to something I've heard you say about vitamin G. You know, if we wake up in bed and just start running through, oh, my gosh, i got to do this, i got to do that, uh," you know, that just turns on hormones. I, I think cortisol would be the number one, and that's, you know, would you like to be awakened by someone saying, you know, as I say to my son, rise and shine, Fletcher? Or would you like someone to be like, get out of bed? We got a load of stuff to do. Let's go, go. You know, it's like the army, right? um, So to me, how you start your day is almost a blueprint for how the day is going to go. And we are all, and I, again, I'm not on health coach Hill looking down at people. I struggle with this too. But I think when you, you don't, screen rise is just what it sounds like. It's, you know, a lot of people have their phone indented into their face when they wake up you know, so my pro tip is don't put your phone in your bedroom, right? Then you can't have a phone face indent. And you also, it's harder to do screen rise. And so I think, you know, I'm not one for like hard rules because then I just want to break them. But I do see the benefit of leaving the phone outside of the bedroom, putting it on airplane mode. And then, not turning to that so think about like the approach to your day so i wake up i don't want that drill sergeant yelling at me how nice would it be to just walk outside of my door and look at the sunrise or whatever is going on maybe you wake up early and you're seeing the the stars in the sky you're taking a few breaths Um, i have some pt exercises for my neck that i do like a weirdo on my lawn I'm barefoot, right? That way I'm a a source of amusement for my neighbors. But why am I doing that? I'm grounding my feet in nature. I'm just taking a few minutes before the onslaught of the day comes to also just, again, vitamin G, be grateful. I woke up today. You know, I'm grateful for that. This is going to be, you know, I'm going to intentionally live this day. And I'm going to also, a big one for me is being gracious to remind myself to seek the best in other people. Because I think we all have a tendency, oh, that guy cut me off or whatever it is, like just to have a mindset to begin the day. It's what like us yoga instructors would say, set your intention for your practice. (laughs) Set your intention for your day. And you're not going to get it by looking at your cell phone.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. It's so I I do exactly what you said. I put my phone on airplane mode at night, keep it out of the bedroom. And that's also important for EMF purposes too. And then I don't look at my, I don't turn on my, I don't take it off of airplane mode until probably an hour after I wake up. So I go through my whole routine of writing down my goals, practicing gratitude, taking my dog for a walk doing some Tony Robbins uh, priming exercises, and then boom, then I'm ready to start my day. As I make my coffee, I turn on the phone, listen to like a podcast or an audio book. And it, it's been transformative for me because before, many, many years ago, I used to be one of those people who did, um, what was it called? Screen
1: screen rise. rising.
0: I, was, I would screen rise. And I would actually, every morning, just first thing. And it's like playing Russian roulette because you could look at your phone first thing in the morning and you might get a nice text or comment on your social media, which is cool good dopamine hit, or something negative or a problem you have to solve. And it's like, boom, you're scrambling. That cortisol's through the roof. The drill sergeant yelling at you, go get started on your day. And that's just not a... I don't want to play that game. So I love that you put that in the book. Thank you. You also have in here, embrace environmental discomfort. So we'll talk about that. Why is that in here?
1: Well... <laughs> You know, a a lot of us, and I I work against this. So like you, I live in Florida. Like, It's never cold. You know, it gets to be 40 degrees and we're all throwing on snow jackets. (laughs) So the whole point of this is, you know, we live... Comfortably, And I'm not discounting people that are struggling. But in general, in our culture, you know, we've either got heat or air conditioning. We have fluffy mattresses and, 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 and pillows that are customized to our neck and whatnot. And then, you know, we have a climate controlled office and a climate controlled car to get there or we work in our climate controlled homes. Maybe we go exercise in an air-conditioned gym. I mean, it's just always, uh, there's never, I mean, there might be mental discomfort, but when I say environmental discomfort, I mean physical discomfort. So exercise, which we've talked about, is a great form of physical discomfort, and I'm not saying to press it to the point of injury, but there are other ways to do that. My favorite, frankly, is cold showers. I'm a huge fan of Wim Hof. And it's funny. It's actually, and I still, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I still scream like a baby every time I step into the cold shower and who and how, you know, my, my is weird wife, health coach, what
0: happened to her? But,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Does it get that cold though? Because you're, you're in am. South Florida. Yeah, Does it, it get cold, cold even if, if you, you put, put it, all it all the way? way. You, yeah. you got
1: to wait for it to get a little bit cold. I still think it saves water for waiting for it to heat up, especially for people in cold climates. You got to wait a little bit for it to get cold. And it's probably not as cold as Wim would like it. But it still elicits the like hooing and hawing from me. And I get a little rush from that. I ain't going to lie. It's sort of like Wim Hof's breath holding technique you know that's environmental discomfort as your co2 is rising you you don't like it but gosh I mean it's it's like free endorphins and us exercise lovers like we we kind of like our endorphins so there's many ways to embrace environmental discomfort again I've talked about how my neighbors think I'm weird like if it's one of those rare cold days in Florida like I don't bother putting on a jacket and I go walk around barefoot walk the dogs like it just it's super invigorating for
0: me. Yeah, so. I love it. It's you know, hormesis is what you're talking about. Yes, like a, hormesis. A...
1: And it's not my idea. <laughs> yeah. Positive
0: stress. Uh, the body adapts, the mitochondria adapts, and they get stronger and better. And that's the name of the game. People think stress is bad for you. And it can be if your body does not adapt to the stress, but stress could be, it's very important for health and resiliency and longevity. So cold showers are a stress to the body. Intermittent fasting, which you talk about in the book, is a stress to the body. Exercise, stress to the body. Red light therapy, sauna. Are those bad? Maybe if you do too much, but if you do the right amount, your body adapts and you get stronger. So stress is only bad when you don't adapt to it. Stress is very vitally important when you do adapt to it. And that's exactly what you're referring to.
1: Precisely. And it's fun to, like, hoot and holler in the shower. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, there's something about it. like, I got this. The other thing I like, I don't think I mentioned this in the book, but I realized something. I I try to do something difficult every day within the first hour of the morning, something that challenges me, I guess, physically. It's usually something on a yoga mat or with breathing. And the reason, I, I realized this recently after I'd written the book, like, If I can put myself into a yoga bind or do my favorite pose, Bird of Paradise, which got your leg up by your ear, and it's a crazy pose, right? If I can do that and just sort of embrace that discomfort, then I am able to deal with child, dog, clients, (laughs) schools, people who honk, you know, because... I already did something hard that day. So I just, for me, it just sets my mindset up to be just, I'm going to, because I'm type A, right? I've always tried to be type B plus. I don't think I'll ever get to a B, but just to calm down and be like, I got this. Like, I don't need to attack everything.
0: It's Great tip. Start with something hard in the morning and the rest of your day becomes easier. I love that. With the book, uh, The Nourishment Mindset, what is your favorite part personally, your favorite part about your book?
1: Oh... Great question. Okay. I could go in a few directions. But I think my biggest pet peeve, like I love the ending because it's just hippy-dippy and it's weird. But I think my favorite chapter to write was the one I called CPS, Cholesterol Paranoia Syndrome. Because that just, we Southerners say, that just burns me up. And I tried to have fun with it, but the fact is there are so many people walking around with side effects, taking statins that are, you know, the number, as you know, number needed to treat is insane. I'm not saying statins should go away, but there are also people who propose statinating the water in certain countries. Um, And as someone who is, you know, food is medicine, I I just, you know, and it's not my place. I'm not a prescribing provider, but every time I see like a woman of my age, for example, I tend to work with middle-aged women just because I am one and she's on a statin. I just, I cringe, right? So it's, I tried to have fun with the chapter, and I kind of laugh, you know, CPS, because I have a story in there about this eye doctor I went to. I um, I went in because I had blur vision in one eye, and we still don't know what the heck caused that, but thankfully it went away. But here I am thinking, you know, am I going blind? Am I having a stroke? That's, you know, I'm going to the ER because I think I'm having a stroke. And this ophthalmologist who has a very good background, nice guy, totally thing, before he... You know, he's looking at my chart, and the first thing he says to me is, have you ever been told that you have high cholesterol? And I'm like, dude, (laughs) am I having a stroke? Like, can we get to the statin talk later? You know, that's a real thing in an emergency room. Like, it's just, it's such a pigeonholed uh, approach in the medical field. And again, I'm not su- I'm not a provider. I'm not saying you shouldn't take your statin. But I'm just saying, you know, like weighing the benefits and the risks. So I think my hope, that's, that's why it's my favorite. I hope someone can just say, look, there's a whole other story to this. Because I think a lot of people are swallowing these pills just for insurance, you know, in quotes. So I don't have a heart attack. But this is all the diet heart hypothesis. So I'm going to hush up because I could go on forever about this clearly. <laughs> but that's the one.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100%. Where is the best place for the keto campers listening and watching to get your book?
1: Well, thank you. So there are two good places. And it just kind of depends on what the keto campers want. The main place is Amazon. Everyone's heard of that. So just the nourishment mindset or you can put in my name. I just have one book. So it's not. there's going to be a lot of confusion there. Dixie Huey. Or if someone wants a signed copy, like sometimes people will do this for a gift um, for someone if they've read the book or they think it could help someone or if they just want a signed copy. Um, My website is favorfat, F-A-V-O-R, fat, F-A-T. No surprise what that means. Um, And and I'll do a signed copy. And guess what, y'all, I compete with Amazon. I, I offer free shipping.
0: Wow. Look at that. Do
1: that. So either way, whatever style you want, that, those two options are there.
0: Awesome. So either Amazon or if you want a signed copy from Dixie, favorfat.com. It's a great name. Last question is about vitamin G. You mentioned gratitude. Uh, I'm going to ask you right now, what are you grateful for? What's your vitamin G dosage today? <sighs>
1: I love it. Um, I must tell you before I answer that question that I I did attribute this to you, but I use that in my yoga classes this week because listening to your episode with Nina, I was like, oh, I love this. I love it. (laughs) So, yes, but I did not steal it as my own. So vitamin G for me, I'm going to make it a little bit broad. There are many things for which I'm grateful, but I'm just grateful to feel vital. I feel better at 45 Certainly than I did at fifteen when I was a hot mess, at twenty five when I had all the like bounty of youth and and was a competitive triathlete. Like, is it still? S- I know that I could have done better. And then at thirty five, just struggling, really starting to see the effect of malnourishment and disordered eating. So like, I, I just I'm glad because I feel like in middle age, a lot of people. And I'm also I'm grateful that I don't take medication. And, and I feel great and I wake up every day and I'm just ready to, to ground my feet and rock and roll after that. So thank you.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, weird out your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, I love right, <laughs>
1: provide neighborhood entertainment. The hippie <laughs> on the front porch <laughs> strikes again.
0: Yeah. There she goes again. Dixie. What a weirdo. I love that you do that. So yeah, that's great. Um, kudos to you. You live it to lead it. I'm so glad that was part of your journey to get nourished and then create a book. So your next book will probably come out in nine more years. So stay tuned for that. Yeah,
1: right? I mean, <laughs> I'll be looking at 55. We'll see how I'm doing.
0: <laughs> a- anywhere else that your social media, any, any social media you want to promote for them to follow?
1: Sure. If you're someone who likes Instagram, it's nourishment mindset. I'm a weirdo and I took myself off Facebook for various reasons. So you can't find me there. I'm probably the only person not on Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Dixie Huey. And um, I do have my podcast, which is favorfat.substack.com and also a related YouTube channel to that if people would prefer to watch. Getting ready to do some strength training um, videos. So those will be on oh, cool. YouTube in the next couple of weeks. 15 minutes to a stronger, leaner you.
0: That sounds great. Yeah, so go, go subscribe to Dixie's YouTube. It's Favor Fat on YouTube. Uh, I love that. Well, Dixie, thank you for writing the book. I'm so glad that I got my copy and uh, it's out into the world. And you're helping people get take ownership. And that's what it's all about. You're empowering them with the right info, inspiring them to take ownership. And that's the starting point for great change is when people take ownership. So thank you for helping people achieve that. And thank you for coming on the show and your support. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you so much, Dixie.
1: My absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your well-formulated, thought-out questions and just the work you do. I, I always learn something when I listen to Keto Camp.
0: I hope you enjoyed that fun conversation with Dixie and you are more equipped to get results, to get healthy, to lose weight, not the other way around. Go get her book, the nourishment mindset. We dropped the link in the podcast notes along with timestamps and notes and everything that you need to find is down below in the podcast notes, including her social media and her YouTube channel. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. Go follow her on her Instagram. Her website is favorfat.com. Go check her out. Share this episode with a friend. Share it with somebody you believe who could get value from a conversation like this and post it on social media and tag us so I could share that on my stories on Instagram. Thank you for spending part of your day with Dixie and myself. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review and I'll see you on the next episode.